Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Welcome to episode 43 of the Liberty Cafe. I am Bill Peacock, and I'm very glad that you are with me here today. Also very grateful that we have Texas Scorecard as our sponsor. Uh, Michael Sullivan and his great group are doing a lot of good things to protect and promote liberty here in Texas, and I'm glad to be a part of what they were doing. I first came into Texas politics back in 1989, so a little over 30 years since that happened. And then in 2005, I moved over to the Texas Public Policy Director of the Center for Economic Freedom over there. And the Center for Economic Freedom was kind of the catch-all at the foundation. You know, things that didn't quite fit in our other centers, like health care or criminal justice or things like that, often came to me. And so it was when we got a call from the lieutenant governor's office, David Dewhurst at the time, saying they needed some help dealing with renewable energy at the Capitol. I got the call. And that began what, to this point, has been a 16-year journey working on energy in the Texas electricity market. How it works, how it doesn't work, how you regulate it, how it shouldn't be regulated, but most of all, how competition can actually work in electricity markets. That may sound pretty radical to some folks, because you, you always hear these folks who say, yeah, I love markets, markets are great, except you know they just don't really work over here. And then they'll point often to insurance, homeowners insurance, for instance, but they'll often always also point to electricity. You know, there's all these special things. You have to balance the inflows and the outflows. Markets just don't work for that. Well, I'm actually here to tell you that that's not true. Markets work everywhere because markets are how God designed the world for people to interact with each other, to make choices and to share those choices through a market and come to the most efficient and rational decision out there. Anytime you start putting regulators into a market and telling the people in the market, the buyers and the sellers and the suppliers and the distributors, all those kind of things, you start telling those folks that they don't know what they're doing, but the regulators do know what they're doing, and so they're going to tell you how to do what you've been doing better. It just doesn't work. And that's the problem we have today in the Texas electricity market. So I just want to talk a little bit about that today in the context of the, the title of this piece, The Day the Market Died. Most of you have probably heard of Don McLean and his song, American Pie, which has in, in it the line, The Day the Music Died. Well, I'm afraid that after 20 years of what we call an experiment in competition in the Texas electricity market, it may be coming to an end. So let me, let me just walk back a little bit and kind of walk us through where we've been and where we are today in the Texas electricity market. So as I mentioned, 
competition was introduced into the Texas electricity market 20 years ago last month in June. The legislature actually did some things in 1997 and 1999 to, to start all this rolling, but it was actual competition on a pilot basis came into the market in June of 2001 and then really started the, the rollout in January of, of 2002. It was an experiment because nobody had ever done what Texas was doing. You know, across the country, they were all experimenting with uh, competition because, and this was both Republicans and Democrats, because all of those people knew at the time that the heavily regulated electricity markets of the day were, were taking consumers to the cleaners. Right? It's called the old rate of return system. These generators and transmission companies and would spend money on building whatever they're supposed to build, and then they just get a straight 8% return or whatever it is. There's no risk involved. The consumers take all the risk. If you need the electricity, great, but if you don't need it, we're still going to pay for it. But Texas was going to be different, and not just because you could buy electricity from different providers, which was important, but even more so because they decided to introduce competition into the generation process. Wherefore, if you wanted to come into Texas and build generation, you could do it, but if nobody wanted to buy your electricity, you were going to go broke. That was a new concept that had only been done a, a province or two in Canada and a couple of states down in Australia, but nowhere in the United States. And you know what? It worked. There were a few hitches along the way, the transition and, and some other things, but competition has proved wildly successful for Texas consumers. Prices drop have dropped over time. Choice in, in plans and providers has skyrocketed. I mean, there's probably today 20, 30 or plus providers in the market, and they offer hundreds of different plans. And the grid actually became more reliable because investors flocked from all over the country the world really, to invest in building new generation in Texas. However, there's been a long, slow decline in competition in Texas because a lot of people haven't wanted to support competition over time. And now we're getting to a place where we may lose competition altogether. And that's particularly in, in the context of the great Texas blackout of, in, back in February. And what's happening is that we've got a bunch of politicians in Texas who are using the blackouts in the market, actually, as a scapegoat for the failure of the grid rather than letting people focus on their own failure and their own role in the failure of the grid. But I'm here to tell you that's not going to solve the problem, getting rid of competition. Matter of fact, embracing competition is really the only way to restore what we once had in this market, which was reliability and affordability when it comes to electricity. So like I said, not everybody has always embraced electricity. In fact, you know, generators hated it at first. They had drug in screaming into it by the Texas legislature because they didn't know how to compete. Across the country, all they'd done is go into to rate hearings and, and beg public officials for more money, and they usually got it. 
now all of a sudden they were going to have to uh, earn money the hard way through competition and getting consumers to buy their products. But once they got into it and the prices started going up in the market because of a shortage of natural gas relative to supply, they were all making money hand over fist. But then after a while, the money wasn't so easy anymore. And they decided they didn't really like competition. And so really, if you go back since, it's been about since 2009, 10, 11, the the, I'm sorry, the generators haven't been so keen on competition and have been pushing for a way to get free money from the government. Uh, other folks who didn't like it are like consumer advocates who, you know, once we got competition up and running is working, they didn't have much to advocate for anymore because people were getting low, good products at low prices. But I think that the big group, well, the, the, actually the, the generators are a really big important factor in this, but another group which is really important are politicians and regulators. They got skittish over the years as they figured out that they weren't in control of keeping the lights on anymore. It wasn't up to them anymore. It was up to the market the participants in the market, the generators decided to build and, and consumers decided how much they were going to build by how much they would pay for electricity. And and the, the regulators and politicians didn't have much to do with it. And they really didn't like that, the feeling of not having control, particularly something so big as the uh, the lights going out. And so, you know, again, since about 2009, 10, 11, they've been backtracking. Matter of fact, I, I know of one politician who said that the lights are not going to go out on my watch. That's how they felt about it, because they would do almost anything, including destroying competition, to keep the lights on. Although, as we'll find out, what the government can do to keep the lights on actually doesn't do a very good job, which is really why we had the, the blackouts recently. So the latest to kind of take this approach to uh, the latest politician to take this approach to competition in the market is Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Now, Dan Patrick's been a, a pretty good Lieutenant Governor. He's done some good things and much, much better than his predecessor, I would say, for the most part. But he's got some problems. And one, one of the challenges with Dan Patrick is that he's a populist. And the problem with populist is as long as the thing that's popular is conservative, hey, that's great. But when things look so popular that aren't so conservative, there's also problems with that. And then, of course, you also get the problem when you've been around Austin in office for so long, you don't listen to the same people who were telling you the popular conservative things. Instead, you're listening to the lobby all the time in Austin. And they're not telling you the same kind of stuff you hear up here. So anyway, Dan Patrick, unfortunately, recently called for, and here's what he said, what he wrote, constructing a managed capacity market where additional plants are built to provide emergency backup power. Now that sounds great, but this capacity market that he talked about isn't going to solve our problems. Now, his rationale for this, and again, he wrote this in the Dallas Morning News recently, is that in the Texas energy market, prices are used as an incentive for investors to build plants to come online when needed. The model serves 
Texas well for years, but it failed during the winter storm for many reasons while the cost of electricity skyrocketed. Well, Dan Patrick is right when he says that prices used to incentivize investment in new generation has worked in Texas because it has worked and it's worked really good. But he's dead wrong, however, in saying that the market failed during the winter storm. Now, as we all know, prices did skyrocket during the winter storm, but the reason they skyrocketed was because of the government. It had nothing to do with the market. In fact, the Public Utility Commission of Texas, and the three appointees, the commissioners on there, appointed by uh, Governor Greg Abbott, actually overrode the market. The market price was about $2,000, just for reference sake, um, $2,000 per megawatt hour, reference sake, you know, as I am talking to you here, the, the price for a megawatt of electricity now, megawatt hour, is about $21. So the prices were already high because we were in this uh, tough conditions during the, during the blackouts. But the PUC commissioners came in and said, well, the price isn't high enough. Market theory tells us that the prices should be at the maximum, which was $9,000. So despite what the market said, these commissioners thought they knew better because of what market theory said, and so they set the price at $9,000 per megawatt hour. Well, what happened has been cataloged really widely, but th that decision that they made cost Texans and market participants, most of, uh, of whom are in Texas businesses, at least $16 billion. I think the price is much higher. It's probably closer to $30 billion when you when it's all said and done. And that's a lot of money considering the, the price of electricity, the total cost of electricity traded in one year, I think, don't quote me on this, but it's about $4 billion. And, and But in a week, it costs $16 billion or more. And that was wrong for them to do. Now, to his credit, Dan Patrick actually led the Senate in trying to reverse this, which they could do. The, the PUC could have done it too. But the Texas House and Greg Abbott refused to go along. They let it stay like it is. You can wonder why, but one possible reason is that, just just saw a headline the other day, that the natural gas industry earned about $11 billion in excess profits because of this. So it could be that the governor and the Texas House were listening to the natural gas industry and doing their bidding rather than taking care of Texas consumers and, and voters. But whatever reason this happened, they didn't reverse this. And so what the legislature did instead was they passed these uh, anti-competitive measures that would securitize all this money. And so instead of having to pay all this money at once, which would really bankrupt the system, it's just going to be paid off I think it's about $11 billion or more, depending on who you talk to, over years, which means our electricity prices are going to be higher for years as we pay these things off. So that's one problem. But Patrick's also wrong when he claimed that market prices are the reason that Texas recently hasn't had enough generation. In fact, the exact opposite is true. What has happened is that these investors, instead of following market prices 
and building where the market says it makes sense, they have been following renewable energy subsidies. In Texas, since about 2006, $24 billion have flowed into Texas from federal, state, and local coffers, which means from you and from me, and have been paid out to Texas wind and solar farms. So the result of that is that the renewable energy industry has poured about $66 billion of investment into wind and solar generation in Texas. Again, that's got nothing to do with... It's got nothing to do with market prices. Instead, it's all following the money coming from the government. And it's been building wind and solar generation that isn't reliable. It's intermittent. It's not blowing when you need it. But if it wasn't for those subsidies, that money could have gone toward building generation, right, that is reliable. Natural gas, coal, nuclear fuel that generally produce when you need it. Now, there were some problems in the blackouts on that. But again, most of those problems weren't related to the market. They were related to a bunch of regulation and mismanagement. And, of course, the um, renewable energy subsidies and wind and solar. And so we would have had all that $66 billion in more reliable generation. We wouldn't have had the Texas great Texas blackout of 2021 if, it, if we'd have had that. So where did these subsidies come from? Well, you know, they, they go way back, but they really started under Governor George Bush. And then Rick Perry, my former boss, supported them. And, and so they really have been bipartisan. This isn't some democratic thing. It, it's you know, just as bipartisan as we saw when competition came in. Unfortunately, competition bipartisanship was a good thing. This bipartisanship for renewable energy has not been a good thing. It's been built off of, you know, maintaining a good public face and going along with what everybody's talking about, renewables and all that kind of thing. But it's really done a lot of harm here to Texas. And what has happened is that we've just this, you know, some of this might have been good intention. They're just trying to stimulate a new industry, although wind and solar have been around for millennia. And they got replaced pretty quickly as soon as coal and natural gas and oil came online. They're not very good technologies, and they're really old. But nonetheless, maybe that's what they were trying to do. But the unintended results of all that, and I say unintended, but it was really predictable if anybody would listen, was that we've got this generation mix with wind and solar in that just can't be sustained. As an, just a quick example, since 2016, renewables have made up 87% of all new generation coming online. And they're pushing offline a bunch of older generation that just can't compete with those things with their subsidies. And so, if you recall, wind and solar renewables were touted as being you know, an answer to the increasing the diversity of the Texas generation sources, but what they're really becoming now are monopolies. So the good news is that both Abbott and Patrick have called for making renewable energy pay their way for not showing up when the wind isn't blowing and the sun isn't shining to, to kind of put them in, in thermal energy, oil, natural gas, uh, coal on a evil level playing field. 
Uh, but what they've done wrong, both of them, is call for this capacity market. So is Representative Chris Patty, who's a state rep from Midland. He's Republican. By the way, all these are Republicans. And all these Republicans are saying markets don't work anymore. Instead, we're going to tell you how to fix things, market. And you consumers, you're going to pay for it all. That's coming out of the Republican Party here in Texas these days. So let me just, without getting too technical, basically a capacity market is not a market at all. It's a bureaucratic creation. It's just made up, right, by a bunch of bureaucrats. And they try and make it look like a market. It's kind of like California did back in the early 2000s when Texas was getting started. And they tried to make a market up. And it totally failed and collapsed and, and blew up. And that's part of where we found all the Enron problems back in the day. So capacity markets are just newer, slightly better versions of what California did. They work a little bit better than that, but they're still terrible. And basically what they do is they make consumers pay twice. So there's this big capacity market up in the Northeast, PJM, PJM stands for Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. And so it's that part of the country. And what happens every year is they hold a capacity market up there, and these generators build into it. The most recent one they just had was yielded bids of $3.9 billion. And so basically what that means is that consumers are going to pay these generators $4 billion a year just to sit there and exist. Oh, and by the way, when you buy your electricity from them, you're going to have to pay for that too. But your $4 billion up front doesn't get you a good deal. So you're paying for them twice. And that's what a capacity market is. On the theory that if you pay them just to sit there, they'll be there when you need it. But the truth of the matter is that never works. It's proven study after study after study that capacity markets do little to improve reliability. Right. When I was at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, we did a lot of reports on this. We found that one, in, in 2013, we found that the, the capacity payments for PJM, 93% of those went to owners of existing generation. Right. Well, we don't need to pay people for the existing generation. We need new generation. But only 1.8% of these capacity payments went to new or even reactivated units. Another study more recently looking at PJM showed that when their reserve margins increased, the extra electricity on the market increased, the prices also increased, which is totally different than a regular market. When, when supply goes up, prices go down if everything else is equal. What that means is, is this is an anti-competitive outcome, as the study notes, that is only seen in monopolistic markets. So you might wonder, if we've got this system of capacity markets that doesn't work, that isn't going to give us more electricity, why would Texans politicians and generators be clamoring for one? Well, I think the, the key answer here is because of its redistributive nature. Now, that's a slightly technical term. What does it mean? Well, pretty simple. It redistributes stuff. It takes from one person or group and gives to another. And it really happens in three ways in the Texas electricity market. First, it's going to shift market influence and power from consumers to politicians and regulators. 
So instead of consumers being able to make choices about how much electricity they're going to buy and how much they're going to pay for it, politicians and regulators are going to make that decision for Texans in a capacity market. So we're going to see actions like the PUC's recent you know, price hike that I talked about, the $9,000 per megawatt hour. That stuff's going to become normative. You know, we're going to see them intervening in the market all the time. The, the, the second thing that a capacity market will do in Texas, it's going to shift risk from generators to consumers. Like I said before, in the old Texas energy-only market, competitive market, generators could come into the market but with no guarantee of returns or sales. And if they didn't sell their electricity, they went broke. And in fact, a lot, you know, not a lot, but quite a few generators went bankrupt in the competitive Texas market. Well, that is almost never or will never happen in a Texas capacity market. Instead, when a generator gets in trouble, Texas consumers are going to be forced to step up and foot the bill. And related to that, the final thing is that a Texas capacity market is going to redistribute money from consumers to big business. And so the Energy Alliance, where I'm working now, estimates that the, the cost of the capacity market in Texas will be at least $4 billion a year, which is about what PJM cost this past year. PJM in the past has cost a lot more than that. And all of that money, $4 billion a year, and remember, none of that is for electricity. It's just to pay them to be around. All that $4 billion is going to go to the generators, to their lobbyists here in Austin, and to Wall Street investors. That's it. And we haven't gotten anything else for it. So my final take on this would be that but replacing competitive markets with a capacity market is not the way to go. Instead, we need to confront the anti-competitive nature of renewable energy subsidies, which are just about destroyed the Texas electricity market and the PUC's market manipulation. The, the raising the prices to $9,000 was just the tail end of what they've been doing. They've been doing a lot of really bad things to the market for a fairly long time. It's those things that have harmed the market. And if, we, if the legislature or the PUC and the governor and the lieutenant governor would step up and address those things, confront those things, that's the way we can find a path to an affordable and reliable electricity market in Texas. The bottom line is electric markets work, competitions work, and they'll work here in Texas as long as Texas politicians will stay out of the way. Well, thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the te on the Texas electricity market, episode 34 of the Liberty Cafe. And thanks once again to Texas Scoreguard for being our sponsor. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe with Bill Peacock. This show is produced by Texas Scorecard. You can learn more about this show and find other shows at texasscorecard.com. Be sure you subscribe and rate this show on whatever platform you listen on. See you next time.